0: awesome well let's do this let's pray together and then we will uh jump to this breakout lord jesus love you god thank you for this weekend that you set apart um for a group of men to come together and uh think about you be challenged by your word and encouraged by your word and built up and so i pray that in this time that we have that uh your spirit would meet with us i pray that you would guide my thoughts and words and for all of us that you would um give us a receptive heart to to examine um, how we're doing in this area of evangelism and sharing the gospel, and that you'd give us the tools and the motivation that we need to be faithful witnesses for your glory. Love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so the breakout's just on uh, sharing the gospel. And so I think, you know, in Zach's breakout, talking specifically about using your vocation for gospel opportunities and seeing that as the Lord putting you on mission Um, And so in this time, I really want to talk about, kind of quickly, we're going to look at the motivation for sharing the gospel, which I think y'all came to this breakout, so you know, like, we need to share the gospel. But I want to look biblically, like, what what are the things that, that we constantly should be reminding ourselves, putting in front of us, meditating on, that will help motivate us to share the gospel? Because I think for all of us, if we're honest, right, there's just times where, but I mean, we don't share the gospel because it's just not on our radar. We're just we're just distracted by other things. And so we're not we're not seeing needs. We're not feeling the urgency of it. And so it's just not on our radar. Other times when I mean, we know we know, but we, we give in to insecurities and fear and, and we allow doubts that creep up into our mind. You know, either doubts of, ah, you know, this probably isn't the most opportune time, I should wait or Uh, I'm not really sure if they'll receive it from me because they know too much about my past, or whatever whatever it may be, fearful of not having the right answer to a theological question or a philosophical point of view. Um, Whatever insecurities and fear pop up, a lot of times that does. It keeps us from sharing the gospel, so it's good to have biblical motivation solidify that that's the ground that we operate off, that, that when those lies pop up, Man, that, that they can be leveled by the truth of the gospel, and we move forward on that. So we're going to look at the motivation, and then I want to look practically just at, all right, how, how do we get there? How do we get to that conversation, right? Is it, do I need to hand somebody a track? Um, do I need the, you know, the, the bait-and-switch techniques, uh, kind of like a telemarketer, right, who, who calls you, and you don't recognize the number, and they start off talking to you like they know you. Right. This happened to me recently. A number came up, and I didn't recognize it. it happens to me a lot, just with my role here at camp. And something is maybe it's a student pastor from out of town. And so I, I pick it up, and they they call me Rob. So already I'm thinking, okay, it's probably a student pastor, and start small talking with me, asking how the family is, how's it going, and I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, who am I talking to, and finally. Then they, then they turned, right? They turned all of a sudden on me, and it was a sales pitch. Well, now, not only am I annoyed, but, like, uh, now, for me, it's like a competition. Like, oh, you're going to waste my time. We'll see. I'll waste your time, right? Like, I am interested. Tell me about this. And, uh, but, anyway, man, I hate that feeling. You know that feeling. You know that feeling, like, whether it's on the phone with a telemarketer or you go to the mall, and, and you're, like, which I don't do. And even if I'm in a town that has a mall, like, I instantly feel anxiety as soon as I walk into that building. But if you're in a mall and you're, I mean, you, you're on a mission, you know where you want to get, right? And one of those guys from the little kiosk in the middle shoots out in front of you, starts small talking, and he, he's either going to try to sell you hand cream or a toy helicopter. I, I don't know, right? But, but either way, the, the conversation that leads into it is fake, It feels fake when they they start off personal, but it's just, man, it was a bait and switch. So we don't want to do that, right? We don't want to—it's not like, here's the top ten ways to trick people into talking about Jesus. That's not what we need to be about, right? We need to have an authentic, real care and love for people that opens the doors to having real conversations about who Jesus is and why they should even care about him, right? And so I want to look practically at, man, how do we get there? How do we get to talking about the gospel And then with the time that we'll have left, I want to look at, okay, what are the essentials of the gospel that you and I need to be prepared with so that as long as language and culture is not a barrier, we can really share the gospel in any situation. All right, so that that in in and of itself will remove a lot of the fears and insecurities and excuses that we have for why we're not pursuing it like we should. Sound good? Alright, so, motivation, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 10. Paul's defending his apostleship and his ministry. Um, been accused of just being out of his mind. It's a crazy guy, right? And so he's, he's defending it to the church. And then he says, one, he says some of the most amazing things about the gospel... But he really puts in place, and this is why I do what I do. Okay, so start in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are, known, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, right, if we are crazy, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. Okay, so real quick, and I'm not going to like exegete these passages, encourage you to go back and study this passage. But the first thing he says is we're going to be held accountable. We're going to be held accountable for what we do with our lives. We're going to be held accountable as Christians. He's talking to the church. He says, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't judgment for heaven and hell, but this is as a believer, we will give an account for how we live. What did you do with your days? What did you do with your time? What did you do with your relationship? There will be accountability. And and, And he says, like, good or evil, some people go out of their way. Uh, and if you want to talk more about this later, we can. I'd love to. But some people go out of their way to make this judgment only about receiving blessings. And you've got to go out of your way because look at what he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or what? Evil. Bad. Yeah. And so there's this real accountability in our relationship with our Heavenly Father where he's going to hold us accountable as Christians to what we did. What did you do with the gospel? So then he says it right, knowing the fear of the Lord. What do we talk about this morning? But there is a healthy, biblical fear of the Lord that we should have, as as a son to a father. Right, that that illustration Brody used with his daughter. Uh, she's smarting off to mama and turns around and sees daddy. Right? Yeah, there should be some healthy fear that there's there's consequence for that as a child, and we need to know like don't don't have a watered down view of grace where God's just cool with how you live no matter what He's got your back like no He's He's a father who has a a plan to grow you and sanctify you and use you for His glory and as a good father He'll discipline you. So He's saying, man, knowing that fear, we persuade others. So the first thing that Paul lists as his motivation for the gospel is a healthy fear of God. We're going to give an account. So knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I like that he uses the word persuade, right? Like we have no right to manipulate anybody into saying a prayer, walking an aisle, joining the church, becoming a Christian, right? We need to avoid manipulation. And I, I've seen this. I mean, I, I, early on as a Christian, I remember doing, uh, like, whatever it was, Tuesday night visitations. People would come to our church, fill out a card, and uh, to get more information, what they didn't realize was that uh, two people from the church are going to come knocking on the door, right? Like, sucker, if you live in the South, you should have seen this coming, right? (laughs) Like, but we showed up, and we're going to share the gospel, and I remember I got paired. I was a young believer. I mean, not even a year old as a Christian. I got paired up with this guy who was a seminary student, and we go into this person's house, and I... And I didn't know what to do. I, I was like a deer in the headlights as this guy browbeat this kid until he said a prayer. And I knew, like I sat there and I knew, this kid is only saying, he's only repeating this prayer so that we'll leave. But he got him to say the prayer. And we left. And then the guy I was with, he was like, I don't know if you meant it. And I was like, no, he didn't mean it. He wanted us to leave him alone. Like, it was awful. He just manipulated him. Now, that didn't change that kid's heart. Do we have the power to take somebody from life, from death to life, rather? No. We can plant, right? We can water, but only God can give the increase. Only the Holy Spirit of God can take that which is dead and make it alive. So we need to have a right view of God's role in salvation. Only God can do that. You and I are called to faithfully share the gospel. He's going to say it in a minute. We're ambassadors. We represent the king. We are not the king, right? There's some things that we can't do. That's one of them. That's a good thing, right? So we trust him, but we can persuade. So the, the other extreme of that is to where you like, hey, man, just try Jesus. You should really try Jesus. I just, you know, if you feel like it, you should maybe give church a try and, and maybe, you know, like, have you thought about Jesus? He's he's really He loves everybody. And we, as if we're, you know, like almost apologizing. No, Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, right? And that's the king we represent. And so we don't need to soften the blow. We don't need to dole the sword. We need to speak truth boldly, but in love. And there should be a persuasiveness to the gospel right? Between the fear of the Lord that we should be sharing and the beauty of the gospel and the love of God put on display through his sacrifice of his son, his only son, that's a persuasive story, and we should, we should share it so, as such. Does it make sense? So, um, I said I wasn't going to give, so I'm not going to give a whole lot of exegesis. We're going to move through this. Um, so, okay, so he says, accountability, fear of the Lord, persuade others. Jump down to verse 14. That's where I left off. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So what's the second motivation? Fear the Lord and then what? That's right. The love of Christ. The love... No one actually said it, but gotta move this thing along. The love of Christ controls us or compels us is another translation. The love of Christ compels us. And do you see that beautiful balance? Yeah, healthy fear and then the love of Christ. What love? Do we first love him? No. We love him because he first loved us in response to the unmerited. Right? sacrificial, eternal love of God demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That love, when I meditate on the love that Jesus has for me, sinner, who only ever has deserved hell and damnation, the full cup of God's wrath stored up for me. I deserve to drink it, to consume it, and to be consumed by it. But he loved me. Yeah, if I meditate on that love, yeah, that'll compel me. That'll control me. That'll change the way I see God, the way I see the world. And what he's about to say is that changes how I see other people. Look what he says next. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, because of the love of Christ and the fear of God, from now on, therefore, we regard, we consider No one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him, we think of Him that way no longer. What's he saying? He's saying there was a time, right, for Paul, when he saw Jesus as a false Messiah. Remember? He thought Jesus was either crazy, right? Either liar, lunatic, or Lord, right? C.S. Lewis. And for Paul... He either thought he was crazy or just a liar. He hated the gospel. He's dragging people away from the gospel. He only saw him according to the flesh, according to who he was as a man and how he perceived Jesus as a man. Until what? Damascus, right? He got saved. Right. He physically went blind, but spiritually his eyes were made wide open. Right, He sees Jesus for who he really is. He's not a false messiah. This is God in the flesh. That changed everything for Paul. And primarily what he says here is, what it changed is how I see other people. He says, I no longer regard them according to the flesh. What he's saying is, and what he's saying to us, and what we need to believe and recognize and think about daily is that there, is, there, is never, there has never been one person that you and I have ever interacted with that was immortal. I'm not talking about like the old Highlander movie or Marvel movies. Like, think about this. Anybody you've ever interacted with is immortal. They will spend forever somewhere. Right? I forget who... Well, I think it was C.S. Lewis again who said... You're not you're not somebody who has a soul. You're a soul who, that has a body. That's everybody, right? We have a soul that's going to live forever somewhere. And what Paul's saying is, man, I don't I don't see people anymore according to who they are in this world. Are they successful? All right? Are they are they an addict? Are they funny? Super annoying and self-absorbed. Is this relationship going to propel me in life? Are people going to associate me with that guy? I I don't don't see that. Is this person like me? Is he athletic? Is she attractive? Is he white? Is he black? Paul's saying, I don't regard anyone according to flesh. That doesn't matter. Who are they forever? Because everyone you've ever interacted with is immortal. They will live forever somewhere. And apparently I'm on a C.S. Lewis kick. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in a little book he wrote called The Weight of Glory, says this, he talks about how everyone you've ever interacted with is going to live forever. And he said this, he said, If you could see, if you could with your physical eyes see who somebody's going to be forever as an object of God's wrath, Do you know the Bible says that? The Bible says that that, that for those who don't know Christ, who go into eternity without knowing Christ, that they're given a body fit for wrath. He says if we could see somebody in that eternal state, who they're going to be forever, only as an object of God's eternal wrath, it would be so horrifying that we would never sleep again. He said, but if you could see somebody for who they're going to be, glorified in the presence of jesus it's so awesome you'd be tempted to worship them and there's so much at stake we don't we don't see that with our physical eyes but what will happen if we understand the fear of the lord meditate on the love of jesus what will happen is god will open our eyes that you won't just be passing random people throughout your day you'll be passing eternal souls What will start to happen is that person at work will become an eternal soul that's going to spend forever somewhere, and there will be an urgency within your soul to speak the truth of the hope of the gospel to them. That doesn't happen naturally, right? All of us, man, we, we slide back into, we treat people, yeah, well, what do I get out of this? Do I enjoy this person's company? what do I get out of this relationship rather than what can I give into this relationship because this person desperately needs the gospel. It's their only hope. We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, and gave us The ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We have a good message, right? Amen? That's good. That's strong. You've been made, right? You've been made new by Jesus, and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation where you represent the King. You represent Jesus to this world. He's given us a message to give to others, and it's the best message ever. It really is. And we believe that when we're all together in here singing, right? When, when we're 200 strong. Amen, right? Like, it is well with my soul. But it's different out there, right? It's different at work. It's not the support, not the clarity. That's why we, we've got to meditate on these. We've got to prepare. We've got to have our feet, right, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace before we go into that battle speak the truth, not be ashamed. So, that's our motivation. So quick. And how do how do we get in these conversations? I don't know about you, but I'm awkward. John, you Ed. It's true, isn't it? See what I just did? I made it awkward. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm I seriously, you know, I, I'm not naturally an outgoing person. I'm not like I, I'm an introvert, and uh, I push myself hard in this area. Um, and like I didn't, I didn't come out of my shell till I was like 22. <laughs> like I got a five-year-old some age awesome. And but I, I see that battle in him. Like when people talk to him, he, he wants to do this, right? And, I, and I'm always trying to coach him. Then I think, ah, but <laughs> well, if he's like me, it's gonna be a while, right? And and I think but it's not about personality it's not about man am i outgoing or am i not out- like it's there's this urgency to the gospel and we represent Jesus we have this message and so practically yeah like how do we do this how do we do this and god's given people different giftings personality wise platform wise right like i don't i don't have a story where i played in the major leagues not yet anyway Waiting on the call. <laughs> there's still hope, that's right. While there's breath. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's going to be different platforms, different personality, different giftings, but we all have the same call. We all have the same call. It doesn't matter. We have the same call. So practically, I just, and I'm just going to go real quick through this, and part of it should be encouraging, and part of it's going to be like, yeah, but yeah, we need to hear it. And I think it just is going to take... First of all, the the motivation, right the seeing people for their needs, seeing them as eternal souls, and then, man, having an attitude of hospitality, having an attitude of hospitality is uh, i've heard a pastor whose name's Matt Chandler say it that way, and it just for me, it clicked because I always think hospitality, I hear that word, and I think uh Martha Stewart, right like hospitality that means my wife has a a candle lit in the living room and there's food cooking and we had to spend like the last hour in a mad dash to get all the mess in the house into the back bedroom, right? Like, so people can come over. And definitely like having people in your house, that's being, you know, showing hospitality, but having an attitude, like a disposition of hospitality. I mean, just being ready to greet people. I challenge you to think about how you, how you come across, how you come across that, I man. if our default, if we train ourselves to what our default is, when you walk by any human being, that you're looking to make eye contact, looking to make eye contact, saying hello, morning, right? I don't know what your day looks like, where you work, and I don't know all that, but if, going to the grocery store, like looking to even get into a superficial conversation just by greeting people. I I say this and it seems like a, a dumb moment but like I had to train myself how to do this cuz I realized when uh I had a student pastor, my oh, he's a college and career pastor when I first became a Christian and I was talking to him I was like man I'm not making any friends like it just seems like there's so many cliques at this church and and I and I was kind of complaining cuz I just felt like man I'm I'm the odd man out again the Awkward thing, and uh, he was such a kind, gentle, spirited man. And he said, "If you want to have friends, you should try being friendly." Like, Hmm. so should you, jerk, right? (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) but he was right. He was right, and it it forced me to think about because I I found myself in in social situations in the back corner, uh, like so insecure about how I was going to be perceived that I didn't realize. What I was projecting to the world was, hey, I don't want to talk to you. And then, I'll, well, that's probably, that's something I can work on, right? And, man, practically working on that, greeting people, making eye contact, saying hello. Now, I'm not a great conversation starter, and I'm not very good at keeping it going. <laughs> but somewhere in there is my sweet spot. <laughs> and, and so, but just greeting people and letting them know, like, I recognize you. I see you. I see you. Man, that goes so far are so many people in your day just going through life and and deep down that's what they feel they feel like man no one sees me my presence here doesn't even really matter then you start greeting them make it your habit to greet them to have a, a disposition of hospitality and the lord will use that it seems so simple but man it's important and because that's going to lead into superficial conversation and you know what superficial conversation is necessary it's necessary. Do y'all, do y'all know anybody? If he's in the room, don't point him out. Do you know anybody who, who can't operate or at least doesn't operate in superficial conversation? They always want to jump right over that into something deep. Have you ever had that friend? <laughs> Is it you? No, that's okay. <laughs> Right, like they, they don't know how, where all the, you know, you walk up to somebody and you start asking them really personal questions. You ever had anybody do that to you? You don't know them. You don't even know their name yet, and they're asking you personal questions, and they're probably a close talker, right? And so you're already, like, leaning back, not just with your body, but your mind, your emotions, your soul wants nothing to do with this person. Like, superficial conversation is good and necessary, right? Like, we don't need to stay there. Don't be the guy that jumps over superficial conversation, and don't be the guy that lives there, right? Because we all know that, and I think that's probably in the room, we would all easily fall into that category. We'll talk about fantasy football, talk about sports, talk about weather, talk about politics safely in our little circles, right? But never, never allow that to be a launching point into a deeper personal re- conversation. So don't be the person that skips it, don't be the person that lives there, but it's important. So learn how to do that. Ask questions ask questions. Ask questions to people. That's how, for me, man, what got me over the hump was just ask questions, and here's the secret. Care. Listen and care. That can be hard. Not everybody's interesting, right? Like, but care. If you care, if you see them as an eternal soul, it'll become interesting. I promise. So ask questions, and then, yeah, move that into a deeper, more personal conversation. Asking about family. Asking about their family history, and that'll give a right, and and here, here it is. Then it becomes so easy. How do, we, how do you turn a conversation to the gospel? If you're having personal conversation, and this doesn't necessarily mean we've done this over years and years and years of building a relationship. In fact, I'd say if you've gone years and years without sharing Christ with somebody, it's not a real relationship. Either the relationship's not real or your faith's not real, right? Because if your faith's real and Jesus is the most important thing to you, then that's coming out. That's coming out. You can't, you can't keep that bottled up for very long, right? So one of those two things is fake. So I'm not saying this has to be a long process, but there should be some, like, building of trust within a conversation to share, ask personal questions, care about what they say, and then begin to share personal things yourself. And if you do that, you'll just find that the Holy Spirit is directing the turning, the conversation to the gospel. As you talk about your family, as you talk what's about important to you, the gospel is going to start coming out. And that's going to take that personal conversation into a spiritual conversation. You'll find yourself there. Because the truth is, if the gospel is what's most important to you, it's going to come out in conversation. Right? You know, this just good conversation skills. Ask people questions, their interests will come out, right? If it's saltwater fishing, if it's NASCAR, that's a tough one for me. One of my good friends now used to drive for NASCAR, and I think, man, that's awesome. That's such an elite thing, but it's still just driving in a circle. How can we, how can you watch that and talk about it? I don't, like, I'd rather go stand on the highway and watch cars go by, because at least (laughs) there'll be, like, different types of vehicles. I don't know. Personal. But I can fake that I care for the gospel. Um... (laughs) Man, but yeah, interests are going to come out. Interests are going to come out. So, that's a, good, that, that's a good gut check for us. Is it just that I'm giving in to fear? Or is it just, man, I am not, I'm not blown away by the love that Jesus has for me. I'm not meditating enough on the fear of the Lord, on His holiness, His goodness, that where Jesus is fresh on my mind, that I'm renewing my mind. Man, that, that, Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, hey, don't freak out. Like when they bring you in front of judges and rulers, don't freak out. I'll, I'll give you what to say. Do you remember that? Not like you were there, but do you remember, the, remember, the, you remember those verses? Y'all with me? <laughs> Jesus said that. He said, he said, don't freak out. I'm going to give you what to say. And I've heard so many people take that out of context and say, I oh, mean, just Jesus, he's going to give you an opportunity to share the gospel and then he'll just tell you what to say. Oh, that's so out of context. These guys had spent three years hanging on every word Jesus said. They had been discipled by Jesus. And then he tells them, yeah, you're going to have opportunities to share the gospel. And the whole, what the Holy Spirit's going to do is to take that wealth of information that you spent thinking about, meditating on, listening to, playing back in your mind. And then the Holy Spirit is going to give you the skill to apply that in a conversation. That's so encouraging to me putting that in context, because then if in my quiet time, right, like if you'll spend the time meditating on God's word, meditating on the gospel, preaching the gospel to yourself so you're motivated by it. If you'll do that, when that conversation takes the turn, the Holy Spirit's going to take that wealth of information of scripture that you've been reading, that you've been studying and apply it skillfully to that conversation. You won't be left depending on Cliches and a track to hand somebody or what you think you remember a pastor saying time saying at some point like, "Man, if you know the gospel, if you know the gospel, if you're prepared to share the whole gospel, you'll be prepared in any conversation to share Jesus. It's not about tricks, it's not about gimmicks. It's about you and I being authentic and our love for Jesus and our obedience to Him, and being authentic and loving and caring about people. And it'll come out in a real way. So, is this all making sense? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. So we talked about motivation, some practical, just, man, how to have a conversation with, by Rob Conti, One of the finest conversationalists of our generation. There you go. That was it. That's my pitch. Uh, um, so now what I want to do briefly, um, with the time that we have left, is I want to look at, okay, what are the essentials? What are the essentials? And I think this is a huge deal. Is what I found in the however many years I've been in ministry now, uh, almost twenty years. I feel way too young to say that. Almost twenty years in ministry, here's what I found that a lot of people like understand the gospel for salvation for them, but they only in track with me, they only understand it well enough to explain it to another believer. So we're left just saying things in church speak or using scriptural words, which is good, but we don't know how to explain the gospel to an unbeliever. And so a lot of times we'll be given opportunities to share the gospel and then we just dive right into, hey man, Jesus loves you. (laughs) Seems like a good thing to do, right? That's like the heart of the message, let's get there. And we don't realize, man, this person has they don't know who you mean by Jesus. What Jesus do they think of in their mind when you say the name Jesus? Is it History Channel Jesus? Is it Mormon Church Jesus? Is it Islam Jesus? Is it the Jesus they've just kind of picked in, you know, like a buffet table, you know, what their college professor said about the historical Jesus, what they remember from Sunday school, what about that movie I watched, like da vinci code is that even a thing anymore probably not but whatever like they got this whole messed up view of jesus and you just say jesus loves you and then they attach their own definition of love we didn't say anything yet we ain't said nothing no okay thanks jesus loves me so does grandma thank you feels nice we gotta we gotta back up and not assume Because we freak out, right? A lot of times we freak out with sharing the gospel. We think, man, what if this guy asked me about the problem of evil? What if he asked me about evolution versus creation? And I know what I believe, but I don't know scientifically if I can hang in that conversation. And we freak out about those things. But in reality, most of the conversations we have, if we're just prepared to boil the gospel down to its most simple, essential elements and be prepared to explain it to somebody who doesn't know the definition of the terms we use, we'll be good. We're going to encounter way more people in that camp than the other. We really will. And So this is what I think, where the work comes in on our part. This is where we have to do work. We have to think through the gospel and be prepared to share the whole gospel. So I'm just going to go through the list of the essentials. And when I share the gospel, it's never in this order. It's never in this order. But if I'm prepared with all of it, I can have a real conversation that ranges from the nature and character of God to the resurrection to the, the sinful condition of mankind to, you know, how, how God spoke the world into existence. I can range through all of that and always be working it back to the central aspect of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. Does that make sense? So the, the first thing is the nature and character of God. And, and I read a book a long time ago. I recommend it to you uh, highly. It's called Telling the Truth, Sharing the Whole Gospel with Whole People by Will Metzger. Telling the Truth by Will Metzger. Um, to me, it's the best uh, resource on evangelism I've, I've ever personally come across. Um, and in it, he talks about God-centered evangelism versus man-centered evangelism. And the point there is that before we get to Introducing somebody to the Savior, right? Before we just jump into Jesus loves you, before we introduce them to the Savior, we need to introduce them to their need for salvation, right? They need to see their need for it before we just give them the Savior. And in order for somebody to see their need for salvation, they need to see themselves as a sinner. And in order to see themselves as a sinner, they need to see God for who God is. As God has revealed himself from the Bible, not who they have, through their worldview, what they already think about God. Because they've probably created their own God in their own mind. That's pretty cool with how they're living, how they're doing. That God is there for them, right? So we need to introduce them to the God of the Bible, first and foremost. They're never going to embrace Jesus as Savior until they see God as holy and just and righteous. So that's where we need to start. This is who our God is, right? There is one God in three persons, and He is holy. And we need to be able to say the word holy and then tell people what it means. That takes work. Have you ever explained holiness to a five-year-old? You should. Find a five-year-old. Even if you don't own one, find one. (laughs) Find one and explain to them what holiness is. An eight-year-old. If you can do that, if you can explain holiness to a child, you can explain it to anybody. Just throw it out there, man. The only time most people know it's a religious word, but most people in our culture have only ever heard the word holy right before somebody cusses, right? I mean, just think about it. So we need to be able to break that down explain it. So that's going to take some work. They need to understand that God is not only holy, but he's just. Same thing, Right? We kind of know what that means, but man, be prepared to talk about that. The justice and the righteousness of God. I like how uh, Spencer with righteousness, uh, years ago when his daughter was, uh, probably four or five, he was explaining righteousness and, he, and, he, and the idea that Jesus has taken our sin and a place of it given us his righteousness. And he said, no, it's like, yeah, you know, Jesus took our badness and gave us his goodness. Right? That God is righteous. It means that everything God thinks, says, and does is right and good and pure and perfect. Without, without perversion in any way. Everything. So that he himself is the standard of what right is. <laughs> and that's the standard that you and I as human beings will be held accountable for. So I always tell them, man, yeah, God's just and that's a big deal because you and I were made in his image and likeness. We were made by him and for him. So to walk somebody through, again, what, what are we working towards? Jesus is Savior. Who is God? Why do we need salvation? This is who the Savior is. And this is how you receive him, right? And so be prepared to talk about the holiness of God, the justice of God, the wrath of God. Talk to them about the sinfulness of mankind. This is hard. This isn't fun. That's not fun to do. But in a real conversation, and this is where, if you can handle it, this and I'm going out on a limb, if you can handle it, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to a lost, I, I, I'll say this, I'd much rather talk to a lost person about politics than another Christian. Especially these days. Holy shnikes. Like, yeah, because I, I, I'm cool because I'm not going to, as a Christian, I should care way more about that person's eternal soul than their political alliance. I should care way more about the kingdom of heaven than America. And if you're not there, man, examine that. Examine that. Man, politics can be a great thing to bring up with somebody in conversation because inevitably it's going to lead to the human condition. So if you can let go of your passion for that and get two hands around your passion for people's souls, man, that's a great way to get into. Yeah, like that's a broken world. Man, we can't even agree on anything. Everyone, even within every party and every, I mean, there's so many fractions and divisions. Like, the church can't agree. Like, man, that's a broken world. People are broken. We can't trust our leaders. We can't trust ourselves. And that's a great alley-oop to talk about. Yeah, you know, and I, I say that about our president. I don't know if I trust him. But you know what? You know who else I don't trust? Me. I don't trust me. I know what's in here. Now, now we're talking about super deep personal spiritual things. Man, what a great alley-oop. That's a basketball term. Michael Jordan was really good at it, apparently. Bird, <laughs> Bird was better. At least his shorts were definitely better. Man, holy cow. So to talk about the human condition, right? Our need to talk about sin. And this is where I will like I always in a conversation. I'll talk about my own sin first, but then it's got we we've, we've got to trust the Lord and take the step. So many people leave this out of evangelism. and They'll just say, "Man, you just need to give them the love of Jesus." And I'll tell you this: the Bible says this. God demonstrated. God displayed, he showed his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we're not willing to talk about people's sin, then we are not accurately and biblically painting a picture of God's love for them. And you have weakened and watered down the gospel. Don't do that. Don't do that. Have the courage and the love enough for this person to tell them the truth about sin. And I'll talk about my own. And then, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm not going to point out specific things about them, but I'm just going to, I'm going to challenge them, man. It's not just everyone out there that's broken. I'm broken, man. You're broken. You know you're broken. None of us are the people that we thought we were going to be. Gonna lie, cheat, hurt people. Talk about people behind their backs. Adulterous thoughts. Show them our need because God's wrath against sin. We we need to talk about that. Charles Spurgeon said, Charles Charles Spurgeon said, I don't believe that you can preach the gospel to any man until you first send the law to make way for it. For the law is the needle and you cannot draw the silken thread of the gospel through a man's heart until it penetrates, makes way for it. I think he's right. I think that's what the law is intended to do. The laws intended to show us our need for salvation. So, be courageous. Share the truth with people about our sinful condition and God's wrath and judgment towards sin in a real personal conversation. Earn that trust. Say the hard things. Think of how tactfully. Uh, encourage you to go look at how tactfully Jesus did that with the woman at the well. Right. Beautiful story. Jesus also happened to slide in there. Oh yeah, you're not married and you weren't married to the last five either, right? Like, he didn't pull punches, but he was compassionate, he was loving, he was kind, but he confronted her on her sin. So should we. Um, And that then gives us the opportunity, right? God's holiness, his justice, his power, his wrath, our sinful condition, we deserve death. God's punishment for sin is eternal wrath. To be able to talk about that, launches us into who jesus is that god became one of us that god clothed himself in humanity really became one of us fully god fully man born of the virgin so we could understand that right born without a sin nature like us born free from that and then he earned Every day for 33 years, he's earning a righteousness that you and I were created to produce, and we can't because we're locked up and enslaved by sin. But Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He earned it so he could lay down his life as a sacrifice. We get to tell him the best part of the story ever, right? Rose again. Received God's wrath. The Bible uses the word propitiation. Know it. Know what it means. Be able to explain it to a five-year-old. Who's a propitiation for our sins. He absorbed the wrath of God. The image, right, like of God saying He has stored up His wrath for us. and He paints the picture of this cup of wrath. The picture is that Jesus drank the cup of wrath for the world. He consumed it. It consumed Him. Killed Him. But Jesus then rises in victory. Tell Him the greatest story ever. And then tell Him, right, the response of repentance and faith. And following Jesus. Jesus didn't say walk an aisle and say a prayer. Y'all know that, right? I hope you know that. Jesus didn't say walk an aisle and say a prayer. Told people to do what? What was Jesus' invitation always? Catechism, baptism, what was Jesus' invitation? Follow me. Follow me. Right? Right? Don't paint, don't paint an unrealistic picture of the gospel for people where if they say a, a prayer, they get out of hell free, and then they can go back to their life. Don't paint that picture. That's not the gospel. Am I saying don't lead people in a prayer? No, I, pray with them, absolutely. But that, it's not a magic phrase that takes somebody from death to life. It is a broken, submissive, repentant heart. Somebody cries out in repentance, a turning desperation to call out on Jesus, put their faith and trust in him. And we need to tell them up front. We need to tell them up front. Salvation is free. Jesus did it all. It is by grace, through faith, and it will cost you everything. Cost you everything. Go read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Book ended. perfectly. We were enemies. Jesus saved us freely by his grace in order that we would follow him and work for his glory. To tell them, man, that's the deal. We get set free from sin to become slaves of righteousness. Romans chapter 6. It's beautiful. That's who we were created to be. So paint that picture. Tell them up front. Man, Jesus isn't calling you to say a prayer. He's calling you to follow him. Okay? So uh, I've been going for 46 minutes. Y'all good? I'm going to stop in two. So to call people to follow Jesus. So with that, if, if we're prepared with all those points, Right? God is creator, holy, just, wrath, our sinful condition, who Jesus is, fully God, fully man, born of the virgin, free from sin, righteous life, sacrificial death, victorious resurrection. Call people to repent and to believe and to follow Jesus. If we're prepared not only to say that quick outline, but know scripture, meditate on scripture, know the whole gospel, then you are free to have a real conversation that can bounce all over the place. Because you're not depending on a couple of nuggets of truth, a track here, a cliche there. You you know the gospel. And we know it, but do the hard work to meditate on it, to memorize key passages, and then be able to explain it to a five year old so you can explain it to anybody. Break down the terms, break down the definitions, preach it to yourself so you're motivated by the fear of the Lord and the love of Christ. We'll be faithful. We'll be faithful with the gospel. If we'll do those things. All right, want to pray, and then uh, we'll be done. Lord Jesus, love you. Thank you for this time. I thank you for these men. I pray that you would use us for your glory. As I stand up here and say these things, I know. I know the times that you've used me, and I know the times that I've given in to fear and insecurity and kept my mouth shut, and I pray that you would grow us all. I pray that you would use us for the gospel. I pray that we'd be found faithful ambassadors of Christ that you get the glory. In Christ's name, amen.